The title of what I want to talk about today is Where You Go, I'll Go. And like she said, we're going to be in the book of Ruth. And so Ruth chapter one, I'll give you a preface of what's going on. Um, there's a person of Ruth, there's a person of Naomi, and then later I'm going to talk about Peter because they're all kind of combined in a way of source that I've created. But they all have said something in a similar way, and they had a similar um, encounter with the Lord. Um, and in five weeks, I'm going to finish this series with a sermon that I've entitled, Waiting for My Boaz. And that's just fun because no one knows what that's going to be about. And if you've heard it in your days, so see, some of the people know the joke. Um, but anyway, I'll let you in on the joke in five weeks. New Year's Day, come back, and I'll let you in on the joke. Um, but anyway, it's really good, and I say that in joking. My wife tried to tell me to change the title. Um, and again, you'll get it in five weeks. <laughs> Waiting for my Boaz. So anyway, that's, that's in five weeks. But today, I want to walk through Ruth chapter one, and I want to let you know that this story is, is and man, it's one of my favorites, because you see a place where... Naomi is the central figure. I mean, it's Ruth's Bible or Ruth's chapter, but, you know, so she's the central figure. But Naomi is the, is the piece here that we're going to talk about first. So Naomi has a husband. They have two sons. And they go to Moab from Bethlehem because there's a famine in the land. And so they go to Moab. While they were there, um, Abimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. He has two sons. They get married to Moab women. They are there for 10 years. Those sons both die. So now Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law. And they said, hey, we're going to go back to Bethlehem because now the Lord has smiled on Bethlehem and there's some food there. So we're going to go back home. And I don't know exactly what that process was. We don't know a lot about it. On the ins and outs of why, all it says is that there was, there was you know, food back there. But for some reason, they decided to go home, and so they did. Is it because of comfort? You know, a lot of times when we're in need, we go back to the things that are comfortable. Even Peter did the same thing. He went back to fishing. And maybe that's a part of it. But either way, they go back to the homeland, to Bethlehem. So Ruth is one of the daughters-in-law. Orpah is the other one. And on the trip home, Naomi sits them down and says, hey, please, daughters, go back home. Go back to your gods, go back to your people. Hopefully the Lord will allow you to find another husband. The Lord is clearly against me and I'm sorry that you seem to have been dragged into my bad luck by your husband's dying. Please go back home where maybe the Lord can smile on you again. And Orpah carries her and follows up on that and goes back home. Then she looks to Ruth and goes, Ruth, please, please go back with your sister. Please go. Go back and do this thing. It's not too late. And this is what Ruth says. Chapter one, verse 16 says this. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death departs me 
or death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Verse 19. This is more on the note, uh, Naomi part. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And they came to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred up because of them. And the, and the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So we see an insight into where Naomi is and why she would probably try to push her daughters away. Clearly, the Lord's hand is against me. Please, by osmosis, you may be dragged in to the, the horribleness that is my life these days. So please go away. And she comes back to her homeland and says, please don't even call me by this name because clearly the Lord has been bitter to me and I have gone away full, come back empty. Now in five weeks, we're gonna talk more about that, about that restoration and why the Lord is so good. And I think the thing that we need to remember in this story is a lot of times I think we feel we feel like Naomi. We feel like the Lord is kind of against us during seasons of our life. And maybe you're in that season right now. But there's good news in her life and there's good news in your life. Her story is not over. We're gonna read about it. We're gonna talk about it in a couple weeks. But her story's not over. And yours isn't either. The Lord has given you an opportunity to trust him. He's given you an opportunity to believe and have hope in what he is doing and what he will do. We do not know about those 10 years. All it says is there were 10 years, husbands die, go back to Bethlehem. That's all we know from the word. But something happened in those 10 years. Something happened that Ruth decided, hey, your God is gonna be my God. Where you go, I'm gonna go. Something changed who she was. And she said, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it is but I'm gonna go. And how often is that the call that the Lord has put on our lives? I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what, how it's gonna be, but Lord, I hand over everything I have and I give it to you. Take it. I'll do whatever you want. And I think that is what he is calling for us to do today, right? Say, say whatever, God, I'll go where you go. And despite Naomi's urging, she stays, you know, like, it's one of those things where, you know, deep down Ruth is saying, like, my life hasn't been great. Clearly, I've lost my husband. I don't know what that looks like. They, there's a season where, you know, we, we, like I said, we don't know. They didn't have kids. Is that part of the deal? But Naomi has cared for her, right? So but there's, a, there's a piece in there that says, I don't know what the future holds, but Naomi has cared for her. She, that's been her rock for, for this season, you know what I mean? And her husband was there, sure. But he's, she's walked her through these tough times. And, and the God that they serve, I assume they, they serve them in Moab. We, we make that assumption that the God that they served, they didn't leave there. So he's been with them through these tough times. And maybe, maybe there's a piece of this Ruth just felt kind of compassion 
for Naomi. Maybe it's just, you know, Naomi's old and I just don't want to leave her alone. And there's a piece of that. I'm sure that that's a piece. But just maybe, just maybe, I, I assume that Ruth had something in the back of her head that said the God that we've served for these 10 years is still God. And the God that, that we've known that Naomi and Abimelech have served has, can get me through this place and will carry me to the next place. I don't know if there's another husband out there. I don't know if there's kids coming. I don't know anything. But I'm just going to stay with you because I have a feeling and I know that the God that you serve is able to do something, something, I don't know what, something with my life. And that's, if you've heard my story, that's all I said. Lord, I don't know what you have for me, but do something. Use me somehow. And Ruth's answer to Naomi was like ours should be. Where you go, I'll go. Your God is my God. Your people will be my people. And I think the thing that we should say in that same way is, you know, sometimes God is gonna call us away from certain people at certain times that may be drawing us away from him. And that's what she's saying. Your people will be my people. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stick so closely to you that whatever you do, Wherever you die, whatever happens, I just want to be next to you. And at the end of the day, what the Lord is calling us to say and what, and what Ruth said was everything I was, everything I was in Moab, every, everything that made me me is gone. It's in the past. Naomi, I'm coming with you. And I think that's what God is calling us to do is say, you know what, everything I was it's in the past. It's old. It's gone. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, if anyone, anyone taken back to the Greek, that means all of us, right? If anyone, that's a joke. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new, the new has come. He's calling us to change from the ways that we were to the ways that he wants to do in our lives. But this morning, I I would like you to not just take my word for it. About a couple years ago, I received these books that belonged to my grandfather. If you don't know my grandfather, he was a a pastor in this area for about 30 years, probably longer, and he was a pastor everywhere else. After he retired from being a pastor, he kept overseeing and things. But anyway, he had a lot of these books. And um, when I asked my grandfather for them, he, uh, I wasn't doing anything like this, and I just wanted to have a piece of what he did, which I think is fine. Um, but I think maybe deep down he might have known something else was afoot, and the Lord definitely did. And so anyway, this is something that um, my grandfather said in one of his sermons uh, many, many years ago, and uh, I found it, so I'm going to read it to you. This is what Pastor Miller Benner said. Following Jesus is serious business. If we aren't serious about our commitment to him, it's a good indication that we are not really following him. I couldn't have said it any better, and I believe that he says everything way better than I ever could, but the point is, if it doesn't change your life, if he doesn't go from being your savior to your Lord, if you get saved and you don't change at all, if you just remain the same, then number one, what are you saved from? 
And number two, what was the point? The disciples were called to follow him and, and lay down their cross or take up their cross daily. It's not easy, but it was always worth it. And they had to follow him. They had to believe in those things before they could go and take the great commission to the highways, byways, and everywhere that the Lord took them. They had to walk through this thing first. So lastly, let's talk about Peter. He was in a similar interaction with Jesus as Ruth was with Naomi. In John chapter six, there's a story. In the beginning of chapter six, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He then escapes from the crowd out into the mountains to try to fill back up. And then he comes down while his disciples are on the boat. He comes down and he walks on the water next to them and they think he's a ghost, you know, because they're just disciples and fishermen anyway. They're a little bit scatterbrained as they say. But so he walks on the water and it says in Matthew, we're in John, but it says in Matthew that Peter jumps out of the boat and walks with him for a step or two before he loses focus. So Peter's walking on the water with him. And so then they get to the other side and the people all find him. And I imagine he was a little worn out. I don't know if he did this on purpose, but he breaks into his communion sermon about eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then a lot of the people said, oh, uh, I think I'm gonna go head home. That's, that's a little too much for me, Jesus. Thank you. Um, I liked the God of miracles, but the God of communion is a little tough for me. I don't want to drink anyone's blood. So anyway, a lot of the people left. And in verse, 60, verse 67, Jesus asked the 12, do you want to go to? And this is what Peter says in verse 68 in the amplified version. It's my favorite. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You're our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted. And even more, we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, Jesus, in, in his reaction and in his talking to Peter, I think he was a little, you know, he probably felt a little heartbroken with all these people that had just left. He was trying to tell them how important it was to be a part of him, right? To, to be a part of his body and, and to be a part of this thing. And they mistook it and didn't want to eat his body, Bob. It's okay. And so he asked, he asked the disciples, man, like, this is serious business. Are you gonna go too? Is it worth it? Is this becoming too much? And Peter, who has just walked on water the night before, says, where are we gonna go? You're our only hope. We've seen too much. We've seen too much. I'll follow you anywhere. I've seen too much to walk away. And like I said, we don't exactly know what Ruth had walked through in those 10 years. But she had a very similar reaction to Naomi telling her, go ahead home. She said, nah, I don't know what the future holds, 
but wherever you go, I'll go. I've seen too much. I've been a part of too much. We don't know how Naomi walked through those tough times, but she lost her husband early. And 10 years later, things were a little different. And somehow, Naomi and Ruth stayed together. And I believe it's because Ruth had seen the God of Naomi and she was attracted to that. And so in a couple weeks, we're gonna talk about the God of redemption, the God that redeemed Ruth, the God that redeemed Naomi, and a God that redeems Peter. And like I said, we have an idea because as we read the Bible, we see all the things that Jesus did and we see all the things that Peter saw and we see all the things that Peter was a part of and Peter even did then. And we know that Jesus calls us, us today, to do the things that he did and even greater things. We know that. And the only way to go about doing that is to truly follow him the same way that Peter and the disciples did. Follow him. Peter saw a lot of things in those three years. And in those three years, he knew there was nothing else he wanted to do with his life. Now, there was a season of despair when he did go back to fishing because he didn't know. But the second, the second that Jesus came back and redeemed him, we see a changed Peter. We see a changed disciples that take everything and we are where we are because of them. And they paid the ultimate cost for it. So I'm gonna end with the same thing I started with, except I don't know that I even started with it. This is a question for today. Will you follow him no matter what the cost? Will you follow him no matter what the cost? Because that's a question that Ruth had to answer. She gave everything up to come hang out with Naomi. Same thing Peter said. I'm gonna give everything up to be with you. So will you follow him? Will you make him Lord? Will you go everywhere he asks you to go? Will you give up the things that he's asking you to give up? The thing that the Lord told me a long time ago was, uh, I'm not in it. Like he shared this with me and I had to respond, you know, because that's how it works. But he asked me, he said, are you just gonna, are you in it for the good times? Because I think a lot of us, we would answer that, well, yeah, like, I mean, we wanna have a better life. But how many of us treat coming to Jesus like, like a transaction where, you know, we do this and you'll do this and, and everything will be better. And, and I can honestly say like my life is better because I came to the Lord and I, and I chose to follow him and give my life to him and do all the things that I'm talking about today. And I'm not saying that I'm great at it. I still fall, like I'm not perfect, I'm not. Justin might, you know, he's, the pastors live up in the clouds somewhere. No problems. That's not me. I'm just the youth pastor. I have tattoos, you know, whatever. But anyway, but my point is, my point is, this life has not been easy. I've walked through a lot of trials. I've walked through a lot of pain. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, that he's the only way I got through. And if I was in it for the good times, I would have given it up. I'm in it. 
because I can truly say that I can't live without him. A friend of mine at work asked me one day, she said, or he said, um, what, what changed? Because me and him go way back. What changed? And like a good Christian, I said, well, Jesus, obviously, you know, he changed my life. And he, he lovingly, to a degree, said, oh, yeah, okay, I got it. But I was thinking about it more as I was working. I went back to him and I said, you know what? Jesus changed my life. But my life changed the day I met my wife, Angie. That's the truth of the matter. We have a little plaque up in our, in our bathroom that says, we, something to the degree, I should have really thought about this. <laughs> you know me, I'm just talking up here. But it says something like, I'm, I'm seeing all the things that we've been praying for, something like that. It's real catchy, but that's not it. But like, I'm seeing all the things that we've been praying for, for years, like I'm walking in them now. And that's true. It's true. I waited a long time to find my wife. I waited a very long time to have my two daughters. And the thing that I know more than anything else is sometimes it's, it's a little hard to follow Jesus because it's, it's not tangible, right? But for me, it's so easy. It's so easy to see because I didn't have Angie before I got saved. And I know, I know that she's the best thing that ever happened to me, right? And I know that I'm not in it for the good times, although there's a lot of them. I'm in it with her because I can't live without her. That's the long and short end. It's true. I can't live without her, and I don't want to. I shared with my youth group one time, and again, this is off the page a little bit. It was that the only thing that I fear, and I'm not, I'm not a fearful person, I don't really struggle with anxiety that much, but the only thing I fear, in the last few years I've seen so many of my good friends die and, and people in the situations uh, get taken out and, and I've been struggling and I'm just being transparent with you. The only thing that I fear is that for some reason all the things that God is calling me to and all the things that God is still gonna use me in the future and all those things, for somehow, some reason, some way, it costs me my wife or it costs me one of my daughters in some way, like they get sick or something. Like that's my only fear, really. Because I don't know. I lost my good friend and uh, that was tough. But I don't know what would happen because I don't, I don't think I can live without them. And so I know, in the same way, everything I've walked through, everything that the Lord has done in my life, every single thing has been because he's been there with me and I can follow him and I trust him and my hope is in him. He is my only hope. He's my only hope. So this morning, as we move into worship and ministry time, I just ask you to... <clears throat> Think about, ponder in your spirit what that relationship with Jesus looks like. Are you following him on the, on the like just on the forefront? Just something where we just come on Sunday morning and it's just part of the process. Or has he changed your life? So just think about that. And if you wanna just hand over some things to the Lord, the altar is open. We have prayer teams. If you want people to pray with you, they are here. I'll be in that corner. John and Rita, I'm sure they're here somewhere. 
They would love to pray for you. But if you just want to hand some things over and say, God, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it is, but I'm walking through some fires right now and I need some help. And I know that you're our only hope. Lay it down here. And I hope that you will leave this morning changed. And I hope that your relationship with God is one where you can say, I just can't live without him. He's my savior. He's my Lord. You've changed my life and I can't live without him. So Jesus, this morning I just pray that you would bless this church. Bless them because they've blessed me so much. Bless them because they want what you want for them. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be drawn out of the places that we are into the places that you want to take us. I pray, Lord, that we would hand over our gifts. We would hand over our talents. We would hand over our pocketbooks. We would hand over all of our hopes and dreams. And we would say, God, it's only you. You hold the keys to life. You're our only hope. You're all I need. So, Lord, I pray your blessing, Lord, over this church. I pray, Lord, that you would just feed us with more of you. Show us what it looks like to fall in love with you more. And help us to realize that the more we seek you, the more we find you. It's a transaction, and I hate transactions, but it's true and it's a promise. Lord, let us seek you with everything that we have. Bless this church. Bless them. And allow them to see you for who you are. You're all that we have, and you're all that we need.